0: His concept of the flying doctor arose when he was stopped by a flooded Diamantina river in the outback, and he noticed that the birds were flying over the river quite readily, and he began to think that this concept of a flying doctor was a possibility, because the conditions on the ground were not stopping the birds, they went anyway. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope
1: for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life, and Real Faith with Eric Scatterbo. Well, usually on the program, we have someone share their story and how God has worked in their life. But today going to do something a little bit different and go back in time to hear the story of someone who has had a huge impact on Australian history and is part of Australia's Christian heritage. Today, we're going to hear the story of John Flynn, who pioneered the Flying Doctors service. And who better to tell John Flynn's story than the author of the book about his life called John Flynn of the Flying Doctors. Welcome to the program, Ivan Rudolph.
0: Thank you, Eric. And it's a pleasure to talk about Flynn's faith Most people may not know the story of Flynn, but most Australians will have seen what he looked like. If you look at the back of the $20 note in Australia, Mm -hmm. he's featured on that. And um, up in the air, you'll see a picture of the very first Flying Doctor plane, which was called the Victory. And uh, just very quickly, I'll tell you that that was not what Flynn had written down, that he wanted it to be called because... Out of nowhere, he was given the money to get the plane by a man who was a very good inventor, invented the Sunshine Harvesters, and his name was Hugh Victor Mackay. And he was commonly known as Victor. So Flynn wanted the plane to be called Victor. But Mm -hmm. the person who was writing the um, name on the plane thought that that was an error, a spelling error, and so he called it victory instead. So anyway.
1: <laughs> a little tidbit of <laughs> These
0: history. little things happen in life, don't they?
1: Well, obviously you know a lot about John Flynn's story. What inspired you to write a whole book about him?
0: Well, I actually asked uh, around because I'd written some books in Africa, mm-hmm. and I said, who is a prominent Christian whose life might inspire others in Australia? And uh, I was given the name of Flynn, of Eyre, Edward John Eyre, and uh, of Sturt. They were all Christians. They all uh, lived exemplary lives. And um, so I thought, well, I'd start with Flynn. And then I spent years going around researching about Flynn and also, thankfully, uh, making the acquaintance of Flynn's great friend and successor, Mm -hmm. Fred Mackay, who was an enormous help to me, not only because he knew a lot about Flynn and his life from their personal friendship and also having done a lot of stuff together, but um, he was able to open doors at the National Library for me to receive help or cite some of it, bringing in documents and things. So I just became increasingly inspired by his faith and his love. The mm-hmm. two things work together with Flynn great faith and great love. And uh, we see that when he took his first mission station, he wanted to be a home missionary and he went to the isolated area in South Australia, Beltana, in the scrubland there. And he uh, noticed a lot about how needy the people were in that area. Mm-hmm. And because love was also central as well as faith to his life. He decided he had to do something about that. And uh, so he began thinking about producing a hospital, and from that came the dream of a string of hospitals staffed by Christian nurses who would be able to help men uh, because the outback at that stage was almost completely uh, man's domain. Um, Men would say things like, well, I wouldn't bring a woman out here. And Flynn would say, well, if this is no place for a woman, then it should be no place for a man also. So that was his point of view. So um, he then decided he had to make the Outback family friendly Mm -hmm. so that men would bring women there, um, have a family, and that the wife would have the confidence of knowing that there was a hospital at least within range. But when we say within range, in those days, and there were a number of cases of this, The person would have to be put on the back of a cart and taken along rough roads uh, to reach a hospital and often died Mm. in transit. And so it really was a a tough situation, but Flynn wanted to change all that. And he was a man of great faith and great vision and great love.
1: Yes. Let's uh, talk about the needs that were there. You start off your book with a story about a tragedy. Can you tell us that story?
0: Yes, um, with pleasure. The tragedy involved Jimmy Darcy who had an accident and the sort of prevailing concept was you watched your mate and if he recovered that was good, if he didn't, well then there wasn't too much you could do. You could put him on the back of a cart as we Hmm. said and try and reach a hospital in time but uh, generally that wasn't an option that the men would take. So um, Jimmy Darcy fell off a horse and then had some internal injuries and he just got worse and worse. And there was no doctor anywhere within uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles. So what they did was they used Morse code from Fred Tuckett was the man. He was the man who uh, was able to communicate with a doctor in Perth. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was he described the situation and the doctor said you have to operate uh, otherwise he'll die and um, he said but I'm not a surgeon I can't operate I'm I'm operating this telegraph that's the closest I can get and um, he was told that well through Morse code from Perth I will direct the operation and uh, so he was told to sharpen his pen knife wrapped Mm. some kind of um, stuff around the handle and uh, he's told a bit about anesthetics. He got men to hold Jimmy Darcy down, of course, and Mm. strapped him in. And uh, then he began to follow instructions and operate. So the first operation was a success and it looked as if uh, Jimmy Darcy was going to recover completely. But in fact, sadly, his internal injuries that Fred Tuckett was not able to operate on and uh, didn't know anything about, Uh, his internal injuries finally killed him. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the sad kind of situation that brought the uh, outback. Flynn had seen all this sort of thing before.
1: Yeah, and as I understand it, the doctor arrived the next day.
0: After the first operation, he seemed to be recovering, Mm -hmm. and uh, the doctor came by ship to try and um, help. The recovery when it seemed to start to go in the wrong direction, mm. the, the yeah. guy's uh, temperature rose and one thing and another, and the doctor knew there was something else that needed to be done and that a uh, telegraph man would not be able to do. So he got on a ship to come down, and it took him a long time to come down from Perth down to where he could get on um, transport to try and take him to where Jimmy Darcy was. But by the time he arrived there, uh, Jimmy Darcy had died the previous
1: day. Mm. So that story is a perfect illustration of why a doctor service in these remote areas was so crucial and so needed And that was just one of the stories that occurred back then and inspired John Flynn to want to have an answer to that. But before we start to talk more about the Flying Doctor Service, let's back up even further and talk about John Flynn and where he was born and raised and what inspired him to get involved in helping to solve problems. Let's find out his story.
0: Yes, well, very briefly, he was born in country Victoria and uh, he just loved the bush. He... Mm -hmm would go on his bicycle, cycle for many miles. He took a tent with him at times and would sleep out rough and uh, just enjoyed it. Mm. And um, he trained for the Presbyterian ministry and he was offered a safe, in his father's eyes, a safe parish in Melbourne, Mm -hmm. but his heart was in the bush. And so he took a Smith and Dunnish missionary position that we mentioned instead. And while he was there, he began just by watching and thinking. And he saw the great needs that were there. And he was told, uh, for example, about um, a group of men who buried one of their companions, just dug a hole and put him in. And and then uh, they looked at each other. They didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them started to sing, for he's a jolly good fellow. The others joined in, and that was their burial service. And so at a very basic level, John Flynn decided that the men in the bush needed a little booklet, which would include a burial service, but also included how to look after their money that they didn't need to. A lot of men would um, go from their rough life in the bush and go and find a pub and... um, hand their cheque to the manager or bartender and Mm -hmm. say, just tell me when I'm finished drinking this. Oh, wow. You know, and then they would go back into the bush in awful headaches, feeling sick. But nevertheless, that's what they did. So Flynn um, gave examples on how to look after your money. He wasn't Mm -hmm. preaching at them. He was just saying that, you know, this this is a better way forward. And uh, this little booklet included first aid because John Flynn from an early time decided that it was important that people in any bush area in Australia learn first aid so that they could help others. And that's what he did. He actually saved several lives during mm. his uh, life from being able to apply first aid. So he also included a section on that. And this little booklet really was his first attempt, his first sortie at trying to solve the enormous problems, he saw the tyranny of distance in the outback, Hmm. and the lack of safety and the lack of uh, help if anything happened to you.
1: So it's both the medical need and also the spiritual need that he combined in this booklet called The Bushman's Companion. Is that right? Yes,
0: that's right. He did. Yeah.
1: So from the very start, he was trying to solve both of those problems.
0: He was. (laughs) He was. And he did his whole life.
1: Well, today we're going back in time and learning about the incredible life of Presbyterian Minister John Flynn, who was the founder of the Australian Inland Mission, as well as the founder of what became known as the Royal Flying Doctor Service, the world's first air ambulance. Our guest is Ivan Rudolph, who's the author of the book, John Flynn of Flying Doctors. We'll hear more of John Flynn's amazing life story when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word
0: for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au You're listening to Real Faith
1: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadbo and today author Ivan Rudolph is sharing with us about the life of John Flynn, the Presbyterian minister who founded the Australian Inland Mission as well as the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Before the break, we heard how Flynn published The Bushman's Companion in 1916 in an attempt to provide both practical medical advice along with basic spiritual truths. Now we're going to find out what happened next in John Flynn's life as he strives to meet both the medical needs as well as the spiritual needs of people living in remote areas of Australia.
0: Well, he found this philosophy that uh, the outback was no place for women, Mm -hmm. that he wanted to make it family-friendly, as Mm -hmm. I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And his first attempt was to build a series of cottage hospitals that would go across the outback, staffed by two Christian nurses not initially initially they could only manage to attract one Christian nurse uh, to each hospital but as they became quite famous and uh, people realised the enormous work that they did that um, they're more young Christian girls or ladies nurses put their hands up and said I'll go and I'll do two years there so he um, was able to build more hospitals and staff them with two nurses instead of one and the nurses were told to look after the men in the bush not just physically but also emotionally and not just emotionally but also spiritually. And so that was what they were called to do. And I wrote a a couple of separate books, not just about the nurses, but about all the issues that the women in the outback faced. They were an incredible bunch of people, but that's for another time.
1: Yeah, they had to learn how to ride a camel, how to sleep out in the bush and all kinds of uh, rough life type things. Is that right?
0: That is right, yes, and how to run a camp during a pandemic, which is quite uh, relevant because mm, yeah. uh, a couple of the nurses uh, had to fight pandemics in the localized areas of the um, where the prospectors were, mm-hmm. and that was tough, but uh, they managed they were a wonderful
1: group of people, okay, so his first vision was to have cottage hospitals, but people would often die en route to these cottage hospitals. So something more was needed. What happened?
0: Yes, well, initially he didn't know what that something more was, Mm -hmm. but um, he wondered if the airplanes that were at that stage, we're talking before the First World War, Mm -hmm. 1912, he wondered whether airplanes might enable doctors to fly out to isolated camps and properties and so forth and uh, bring medical aid there. And he knew that because of the nature of the accidents that an aeroplane would need to transport them back. Now, the problem was that in that era, no one took his vision of what he called sky doctors, not flying doctors initially, but sky doctors, seriously, because planes were considered too dangerous, just toys and very expensive. Mm. But Flynn was characterized that he believed that if we did what we were sure God wanted, and his famous expression was, God will supply the rations. Mm -hmm. And we find that that was proven time and again in his ministry, in building the hospitals, all sorts of other things, that God always produced the rations on time, often not in advance, but on time. That in itself is a fascinating study, but his concept of the flying doctor arose when he was stopped by a flooded Diamantina river in the outback, and they couldn't cross until the river would uh, die down, and he noticed that the birds were flying over the river quite readily, and he began to think that this concept of a flying doctor was uh, a possibility because the... Conditions on the ground were not stopping the birds. Mm. They went anyway.
1: Yeah, and they yeah. So
0: thought, "Yeah, one day we must be able to do the same. And he was helped by a letter from an Air Force pilot whose name was Clifford Peel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who knew what Flynn's dream was. And towards the end of the First uh, World War, Clifford Peel was interested in trying to help Flynn. And he wrote about how women on isolated properties, would need to be able to receive help from a flying doctor. And he gave a lot of practical information about how this could be possible, the range of the aircraft and and, uh, how often you'd need to refuel and all that sort of thing. Flynn then used his letter because he, after all, was uh, a pilot and he had um, a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. And so Flynn used his letter to try and get, People interested, the other ministers that he worked with, interested, and uh, people in general, congregations of churches where he would speak mm-hmm. to support the concept of developing a flying doctor.
1: now we should say that the first flight by Orville and Wilbur, right was nineteen o three and so this yes. was just uh, during World War one, so this is nineteen fourteen or so i mean it's yes. less than twenty years later he's having this big dream of having this whole flying doctor service. So it was revolutionary at that time.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's why no one thought it was possible.
1: Mm -hmm. He was a dreamer.
0: Oh, he was. He was very much a dreamer. Mm -hmm. But his dreaming was practical. It was always in advance of what was around. Mm -hmm. But um, it always had that practical twist to it Mm -hmm. so that he got a lot of people around him who could actually catch his dream. He was a dream seller in a way. Mm and uh, he would sell his dream and he'd get really quality people around him to help and uh, lend their support. And uh, the big question really that began then was how would a woman on a property, because he was trying to make the Outback family friendly, how would a woman on a property call up for a flying doctor when she had an urgent case and Mm. uh, urgent need? And at that stage, Wireless was only possible as Morse code, and the sets that were available to uh, the public would not be able to even use Morse code over any great distance. So Flynn found that there was no one who could help him, and so he set about himself gathering wireless equipment. He mortgaged his own salary for two years to enable that. Mm and um, he got his equipment he put it on top of the manse uh, in the ceiling and he spent many many hours learning about wireless as it was at that stage and its weaknesses and its strengths and then he found a gentleman george towns who was uh, a similar enthusiast and both of them wanted to go and see whether it would be possible to send Mm. signals from a central flying doctor base if they ever could get that far, mm-hmm. that could reach out into a, a bush station, mm-hmm. or the reverse, that someone could call from a bush station to the flying doctor and ask the flying doctor to come. And those two actually prove that using Morse code, that it was possible. Mm-hmm but there were enormous problems to overcome. Now, you might say, well, why were women central to this? Well, men were often uh, up before dawn. They were out working on the property, and uh, sometimes they were away for days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so really, if there was a sick child or something of that nature, it would most likely fall to the woman to um, summon help. Mm -hmm. So he decided that he needed to be able to get a voice Transmission going because Morse code was difficult. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, for ladies out on the properties. Uh, well for anyone for that pool. matter,
1: I can not imagine having to do all these dots and dashes just yes. to try to make a point. <laughs> oh my and goodness, makes sense. Yeah, Basically, exactly. If
0: agitated, or someone's just presented and you're trying to save their life, you know. And uh, yeah, so it would be enormous call uh, to do all that. So. Um, But the other problem was that a wireless had been invented towards the end of the war, which would have been able to uh, serve as a voice transmission, but it took um, half a room of equipment. (laughs) It needed engineers buzzing around it to keep it going. And the batteries that Flynn and Towns took out to the bush, of course, contained acid and sodium hydroxide in some of them. And they were nasty chemicals, and Mm. he didn't want them there for isolated children of the bush to perhaps discover and play with. And so he decided that a new attempt to solve the wireless problems was absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. So he employed a young genius, Alf Traeger, to solve these enormous problems. And Alf Traeger did. He produced a number of uh, prototypes, some of which didn't work. And then he produced a pedal radio because... Uh, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, we used to have a little dynamo on the wheels of our bicycles and as we'd cycle along, uh, it would send electricity to our lights in the front and you could mm. uh, light yeah. up the pathway in front. You know, this was before we had all the modern uh, U-Butte batteries. Yeah. But um, Alf Traeger used that concept on a bicycle to generate sufficient electricity for a lady out there, it had to be very smooth running and all that, of course, because she might need to pedal for quite a long time. Oh, wow. And uh, she would get on the pedal, as they used to call it, get on the pedal and pedal away and send her uh, messages, firstly to the flying doctors. But then, you know, the women in the bush were very isolated, couldn't speak to other women about the fact that what do you do when the child does this, that, and the other, mm. or all that? Sort yeah, of that. and so uh, this opened up uh, property to property communication.
1: So the ladies could have a chat. I guess you could say.
0: Yes, they used to call it the men <laughs> being men. <laughs> would call it the galah session. <laughs> you know, they would all talk <laughs> every day, and they loved it. And uh, they were able to break that code of silence. Many of them didn't ever meet the people they were talking huh. to. Oh, wow. And when they did, they'd say things like, wow, yeah, I didn't picture you quite like what you are or, oh, you're <laughs> just like I thought. And, you know, that sort of thing, because, of course, there weren't photographs and there weren't uh, ways of sending pictures um, yeah, like we do today. Yeah, yeah. mobile phones and so forth. Uh, so uh, they didn't even know what the other person looked like, and it was always great excitement when they met up later. At
1: some yeah. Time. Well, I'm going to have to stop you right there because we've run out of time for this first conversation, but we can see what's happening here. You had a problem, people getting injured in remote areas, not being able to have medical attention. So, John Flynn had the idea of having flying doctors, but how do you know to fly a doctor there if you don't know about the injury? Therefore, you needed to have radio and by having a pedal radio that was the way of solving that problem but also it gave the ladies a way of chatting with each other. Is that about something where we're at at this point?
0: That's a very good summary, thank you.
1: Okay, well we're going to have more of this conversation with Ivan Rudolph. He's the author of the book about the life of John Flynn. Ivan, will you come back and tell us more of his story?
0: Ah oh, yes, I'd love to. He was a great man and it's a privilege to be able to talk about him. <music>
1: Well, that was part one of my conversation with author Ivan Rudolph, who's sharing with us about the life of John Flynn, the Presbyterian minister who founded the Australian Inland Mission, as well as the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Ivan Rudolph is the author of the book, John Flynn of Flying Doctors. We'll hear more of John Flynn's amazing life story next time, right here on Real Faith.